0: do a quick recap um, as we continue through the book of Job it's just to review where, where we stand. So in Job chapter 1 and 2 we're told how the suffering of Job comes about there's a counsel before God God allows Satan to put Job to the test remember Job of course is not given any insight really into well not the same insight at least as we have uh, into his suffering. He doesn't know why he's suffering. Uh, we we are told, however, that his suffering comes from Satan but is allowed by God. His suffering is essentially a test of his faithfulness to God. And at the end of chapter two, Job's wife speaks, and Job's three friends show up. In Job chapter three, he opens his mouth for the first time. He curses the day that he was born. Basically, in Job chapter 4 and 5, the sort of prevailing theology of the day is presented by his friend uh, Eliphaz. And the theology is basically that the righteous do not suffer. If one is suffering, the suffering comes because he or she has sinned against God. And suffering, therefore, is a result of God's judgment. In Job chapter 6 and 7, Job claims and professes his innocence. And now we enter into Job chapter 8, where we're introduced to another character. And this is Bildad. Bildad answers and he says, how long will you speak these things? And the words of your mouth are like a strong wind, he says to, to Job. Bildad's theology is much the same as that of Eliphaz. They both believe that a person suffers because they deserve it. In their minds, uh, suffering is sent to a person as a matter of punishment for their and Suffering becomes a matter of God's justice. Bildad and Eliphaz both believe that those who have not sinned will not suffer. The question is, of course, does suffering come upon a person only because they have sinned? We know that all mankind suffers. We live in a fallen world. Sin has affected everyone. So, of course, Bildad's argument starts with the belief that God is a God of justice, and that is a true statement. But the fact that God is a God of justice does not restrain bad things from happening to us. He is not only a God of justice, but He is a God of justice. Job's suffering... um, well, 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 I mean, in Job's case, his suffering is not a matter of punishment or justice. We know that. Job's suffering is due to the fact that Life, essentially, is a test. Chapters 1 and 2, if you remember, Satan was allowed to cause the suffering, to test Job. This is how Bildad, um, well, he says, I think it is chapter chapter 8, verse 4 or 5. When your children sinned against him he gave them over to the penalty of their sin basically saying to job that your children who died um, got what they deserved. how cruel how cruel is this statement from a from a friend and just uh, just a tangent here I think in the Christian community especially we, for many of us, um, have bumped up against this theme of accountability or accountability partners. And it's the thing that has an incredibly good intention, typically, to help keep us on the straight and narrow. But there is a dark side to the notion of an accountability partner found in a person. We are not accountable to one another in aspects of our spiritual walk and journey with God. God will hold us accountable one day because his justice is perfect and it will be executed. And I just feel here with Job's friends, the intentions seem to be that they will draw near to him and pull him back onto the right road of course they don't have the full picture. And then a statement like your children got what they deserve, they got what was coming to them, I think would have the opposite effect than that of comforting, building solidarity with a friend. Either way, back to Bildad's argument. He believes basically that uh, it's a mathematical formula supposedly God does not make mistakes. Your children sinned and they were punished for it. And if you repent, then God will fix the situation and God will bless you. And I remember as I read through chapter 8, I made made this note where it said, um, God will set everything right again. He'll re-establish your fortunes. And I wonder Job, sitting where he is, Having lost what he has, what he had, um, so his wealth and all that, but also his children. Would his desire, would his desire be for God to reestablish his fortunes? I don't think so. I'm not. I'm not sure that that would be the case. And I think Bill Dad, um is is missing. The point here. So when everything gets taken away, we start realizing, it starts highlighting the things that are true riches in our lives, the most important things to us. And I think Bildad here is missing, missing that point. So um, Bildad then says that God will not cast away the blameless, nor will he uphold evildoers. Which is the same philosophy as Eliphaz, where he says that you kind of get what's coming to you. If you're good, God's good to you. If you're bad, God's bad to you. Of course, we know that that in real life, none of that is true. That's not exactly how it works. So although God is a God of justice, his justice is not always immediate. So, the, the, the heart of Bildad's argument is basically that, look, God does not reject a person of integrity, and he will not support evildoers. And I think that everything he's said uh, up until this point comes to that climax, that God, would tr- God will treat you. Um, if you're good, he's good to you. If you're naughty he's bad to you but the scripture not also then say to us i think this is in matthew that god sends the rain on the just and on the unjust To so who are we then who is Bildad then to say that the shower is coming and that the person uh, on, on a specific person because their heart is right with god or who are we that we can see really into the heart of man so it is only by the grace of God that we receive anything good uh, personally I'm, I'm pretty glad that God doesn't give me immediately what it is I deserve I'm glad that there that there is grace and there is mercy there are times when we pray for justice um, when someone does evil or is evil in the world kind of get into this will god get them uh, philosophy but sometimes it feels like as Christians we're a bit hypocritical about that don't want justice for us we want we want grace and mercy so with a comforter like Bildad uh, you don't you don't really need any any enemies Bildad failed to feel Job's pain and as a result He assumed that Job needed correction rather than comfort. And this is the the thematic mistake that's made and that we learn out of these chapters about friendship is to not make too many assumptions, but rather uh, to stand and sit with somebody as they go through some of the hardship in life, which follows us not just because of sin, so not just because we're bad do we go through bad things, not just because we're good, do we receive good things? So the two assumptions then is the truth is that God, firstly, truth is that God doesn't carry out his judgment promptly in all instances. Because God is love, but God is also patient. So he doesn't of necessity, as we think sometimes he does, balance his books at the end of every day. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't balance his books eventually. Jesus tells us in John 16 that in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In other words, God allows us to have trouble in this life so that we can learn to trust him. And this goes a little bit against what Bildad had assumed was going on in, in Job's life. So there is a much bigger, much greater, much more meaningful purpose to life and indeed to suffering in life than perhaps what Bildad has been, has been seeing and counselling Job on. Peter tells us that, dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial that you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you but rather rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. The danger, of course, is that false assumptions about what's going on can lead to the wrong conclusions, and the wrong conclusions, in turn, can lead to wrong actions. And sometimes to correct false assumptions, we have to almost rip up everything and start over with God's revealed truth, which is often much bigger than our common notion of what justice ought to look like and what we think is going on in somebody else's life. And so the encouragement through Job 8 and what we learn here is to not make too many assumptions about why somebody is where they are, to not speak harsh words in the middle of um, standing in solidarity with somebody who's going through a hard time. And perhaps the lesson in wisdom here is that God's justice doesn't work on the same principles as we would always apply to them. He is a God of justice, not only of justice. God of justice, of love, and of patience, and sometimes bad things happen to good people, sometimes good things happen to bad people, in simplistic terms, and all of it is a journey of God's grace and patience, and he will not let justice uh, fall by the wayside. I hope that this message is encouraging to you, as we've learned so far, on what it looks like to be a friend to somebody who's in a difficult time, and perhaps this starts revealing something of the character of God, the nature of suffering, and the trials we go through.